let's go ahead and turn our attention to God's word. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, I hope you do, please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 18 this morning. I want to invite Beth to come on up. Beth is going to read for us this morning out of God's word. And if you're able, would you please stand with me out of respect for God's word? Uh, If this is new to you, you don't know why we're doing this, we simply do this out of reverence for the Word of God. We believe it's His words that Beth is about to read. Not hers, not mine, but His words, and so we want to um, honor those, and that's why we stand. So, Beth, I'll pass it off to you. Good morning, church family. Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 18. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him, They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land, in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride in the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field, and he suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, curds from the herd and milk from the flock, with fat of lambs, rams of Bashan and goats, with the very finest of the wheat, and you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grape. But Jeshuan grew fat and kicked. You grew fat and stout and sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Beth. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we enter into time looking at his word. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. And Lord, as we come to uh, the beginning of this new year, we come to a beginning of a new sermon series, um, really looks upon the faithfulness of, of who you are and your character. 
Father, as um, we prayed this morning, even um, before the service, Lord, we, we don't want to hold any idols, um, any idols that, that look like some other God. We don't want to have an image of you in our own hearts that is not true and accurate and right. And so, Lord, this morning we pray that by your Spirit, as we look at these words, as we look at your word and your, your revelation to us, Lord, that you would uh, help us to see you clearly for who you really are. That we would not hold on to any of those idols, any misconceptions or misperceptions of who you are and your nature and your character. But, Father, we would see you clearly this morning. And I pray certainly that you would help me um, uh, to, to speak truth, Lord. I pray that you would guide my words because you are holy. And you are far beyond us. And yet, you have seen fit to give us your word to point us in the right direction, to reveal yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we look to it. We pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. So as I just said, we're getting ready to start into a new sermon series called uh, Faithfulness, and we want to start that in looking at the Lord's faithfulness. And I want to start by looking into this text in Deuteronomy, but before I do that, let me give you uh, a little story or a little bit about myself. Many of you uh, know I, I've grown up here in Wichita. I, I've been uh, a part of this church for a long time, um, uh, but even as I grew up in, in this city and I grew up in this town, um, I had lots of opportunities to uh, see different people, meet other people that were around me. Uh, and in that process, I'll also, um, well, let, me, let me actually change. Um, so so let, me, let me start over again with that. Uh, when I was like 14, I started to drive. I'm not going to give you all the details about that. I was going to go somewhere with that and, and tell you some stories about uh, driving my mom's car here to church and here to the school, but I'm going to pass that. But here's where I really want to go with that story. When I started to drive, I started to drive a Mazda RX-7. A 1986. And I don't know if you know anything about that car. It's in rotary engine as a little sports car. And let me just say that I, I had a lot of fun in that car, probably more fun than I should have had. But with the Mazda RX-7, like it wasn't the most reliable car. And so I ended up not driving that car for very long. I ended up selling that car and buying my second car um, in 1998, I believe it was. And that second car was a 1991 Honda Civic. Now that 1991 Honda Civic um, was a phenomenal car for me. I literally drove that car for around the next 20 years until I gave it to my oldest son. And in that 20 years almost of driving my Honda Civic through all the abuse, and like I said, all the stories that I could tell you of ways I drove that I shouldn't have drove, and things that I did that I shouldn't have done in that car, like that car never failed me. Like in those 20 years, it was always reliable. It, it was always faithful to get me where I needed to go, to, to, to turn on when I turned it on, unless, of course, I didn't change the battery when I should have or something of that nature. But, but in terms of the car, like it was always faithful. And so when I gave that to my oldest son, the Lord blessed me with another Honda, which I'm driving still to this day. And, and as a result, we bought another Honda for my wife to drive because Hondas for us have always been reliable. They've always been faithful. They, they, they're not the fanciest cars. They don't have all the bells and whistles. Um, my car certainly doesn't have the heated seats. You can't tell it to drive you to Dillon's and it takes you by itself. I can't let go of the wheel and it'll stay in the lanes for me. But it always starts when I turn the key. And they've always been that way for me. 
Now, now here's why I tell us that, and here's why I, I kind of point to that little illustration. It's because I want to illustrate to us that, that we understand the importance of faithfulness, don't we? Like we understand the importance of reliability. We, we understand how much we want to value it, how much we look for it, and not just in cars, but all around us, right? Like we love faithfulness and reliability in the people that are around us, in our friendships, in, in, uh, in our homes, in our, our family members. We love reliability in the phones in our pocket. We, we love faithfulness, and we know when faithfulness is not there. Like faithfulness is something that we all want to attain to. We want people to look at us in our lives and say, oh man, like they're faithful. Nobody says when they die, they want people to be like, yeah, that guy, he was unfaithful. And we all want to be faithful. And we all want it in our lives. And when it's not in our lives, we know the pain that comes. Right? When, when someone isn't faithful to you, it brings pain, it brings hardship, it brings hurt. See, faithfulness is a virtue that we love to see. It's something we desire and desire to be known for. And Deuteronomy and countless other texts of Scripture remind us of the unique and utter faithfulness of the one true God. And I cannot think of a better characteristic to look at as we start a new year than the faithfulness of who God is. Moses says in verse 3 that we read this morning, he says he wants to proclaim the name of the Lord, of Yahweh. Ascribe greatness to our God. We want to consider not only the greatness of our God as we look at this topic of faithfulness, but we also want to consider our response to his faithfulness, right? We want to think about what does that mean for our lives? How should we, therefore, then live in light of the faithfulness of the one true God? And as we read Deuteronomy 32, and I'm not going to go verse by verse through that, but if you look at it, you see Moses going through all the things that God has done for the people of Israel and how he's blessed them and he's, he's come along and he's taken them out of the desert and he's given them birth and he's made them his people as a treasured people. But you also see in that text how they've turned their backs on him. And they've, they've turned away from him and they've gone to other gods. And we see kind of a culmination of this in verse 18 where it says this, you, speaking of the people of God, were unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Like that's a harsh statement. It's a harsh thing to have said about you. And so whatever our response to his faithfulness should be, I don't think there's anybody in this room would want this to be said of us that we were unmindful of the rock, that we were unmindful of the one who bore us. And so part of what we need to do as we enter into this sermon series, as we enter into a, a new year, is I want us as a people of God to be mindful of the rock. Now think about what that idea of mindfulness is. It's not something we say a lot, but mindfulness simply means, or it has this idea of focusing our awareness upon something, right? Like we, we, we bend our attention onto something, like we're mindful of it. We, we, we force ourselves to be mindful of it, to think about it, to be aware of that thing. Now, often we don't really realize and already think about the reality that we're always mindful of something. Like 
most of us don't walk around with kind of vacant thoughts. Like we're thinking about something. The problem with that is, is that we tend to let the circumstances around us dictate our thoughts. Let me give you an example. And maybe you've experienced something like this. Maybe you haven't. But if you've ever been invited to say a banquet or a party or something like that, and you went and you go to the banquet and you step in and you realize you're the only one not wearing a suit and tie, like, like that you're in khakis and a button down, like in that moment, you're probably going to be very aware of how you're dressed. And for the rest of the night, you're going to be mindful of the fact that you didn't get the memo about being in a tuxedo. Now you're going to try to stay seated at the table so that nobody looks at you. If you're speaking to the main speaker of the event and he's wearing a, a tux or a suit and tie, you're going to be thinking to yourself like, oh my goodness, he's going to think I don't respect him. He's going to think I don't care about him. Like you're going to be mindful of that moment. No one has to tell you to be mindful of it. You're going to be mindful of how you sound, how you look. You're going to want to get out of there as fast as you can. And probably from that time on, wear ties to every event just so you're never put in that situation again. Right? Like, like, nobody had to tell you to be mindful of it. But here's the thing about us all. Very few of us, in fact, I would say none of us, are naturally mindful of God. In fact, most of us, in fact, I would contend all of us, are aware of ourselves way more easily and naturally. We have to take effort to be mindful of the living God, which is crazy to think about, right? That we have to focus our attention upon him, to focus our awareness on him when he's the one who put the stars in the heavens. He's the one that sustains our breath. He's the one that keeps our hearts beating at night when we sleep. Like, like he's everywhere. And yet our natural tendency is to not even acknowledge that he's there, to not be mindful of him to not pay attention to him. It's not natural for us to be mindful of him. His character, his goodness, daily, moment by moment, to focus our attention upon the rock. But that's exactly what Moses is trying to do and get the people of Israel to do in Deuteronomy chapter 32. That's why he wants to proclaim who God is and what he has done for God's people so that they can focus their awareness, their attention, and be mindful of him. And very specifically, in verse 4, he says this, the character of God, the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. He's a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. See, Moses is focusing our attention if we allow our attention to be focused, he's focusing our attention upon a metaphor for who God is, that he is a rock. And that metaphor is to remind us that he is absolutely faithful. He is a God of faithfulness. Now, what does that mean as it relates to God? Well, faithfulness simply means this, that it's God's perfect, God's perfect Loyalty and consistency. I love that. Perfect consistency. Being true to his name. Being true to his character. Being true to his words and his promises. Being true to his people. This is what faithfulness means when we talk about it in relation to God. He is reliable. 
He's faithful. Way more than my Honda. He is always God. He's unmovable like a rock. It's hard to think of a better analogy than a rock to describe his preeminence and his faithfulness. To be what he is, what he always has been, and what he always will be. And so as we start this sermon series, I want us to quickly take a look at some characteristics of his faithfulness as an encouragement to us, but also as a way to anchor us, to be mindful of these things as we move on into the new year. So first, God is always faithful to his character. His character. Consider your character. Is your character the same today as it was when you were 18? Well, if you're 19, maybe. But if you're in your 50s, I hope not. Right? If you're 18, is your character the same today as it was when you were five? I, I would hope not. Like, like we change, our character shifts. Like we move and we make mistakes and we accept wisdom from other people and we learn things that change our character. They change the way we see the world around us. Like our character changes. We change all the time. Our attitudes, our emotions, everything, it grows with us. This is not true of God. Malachi says this in chapter 3, says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You change. Some days you're faithful, other days you're not. He never changes, regardless of circumstance. If he is compassionate, he will always be compassionate. If he is loving, he will always be loving. If he is jealous, he will always be jealous. And we see that as a bad thing, like it says in here, but it's not, because jealousy in the right place is actually a righteous feeling, right? If my wife gives affection to another man, I should be jealous, right? And if he's jealous about those things, he's always going to be jealous about those things, God is good. He will always be good. If he is honest, he will always be honest. His character does not change. He is reliable. In this, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt what to expect from him. He will never be inconsistent. Brothers and sisters, that's why it's so important that you steep yourself in this because this is how we see who he is. We see his character. We see his nature. We see how he moves and he acts and he responds to the things around. Like he never changes. We change. And so when we steep ourselves in this, we can understand, we can begin to understand what we're going to get from God. Because he is never inconsistent. He wasn't inconsistent in Genesis from Revelation. It's all the same God. His character never changed. Man, what an anchor for us to hold on to in an unbelievably ever-changing world. So he's faithful always to his character. He was always faithful to his work and to his promises. Verse 4 puts it this way. His work is perfect. When he sets out to do something, there is no error in it. There will no be no incompletion in it. There's going to be no delay. There's going to be no dissolving. There's going to be no dissipation of his work. This cannot be said of any of us. Like our work tends to dissolve. It tends to dissipate. It tends to, no matter how hard we try, like our work seems to run into roadblocks all the time. 
That's not the case with his. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that the people fear before him. Just think about this in regards to your salvation. It will endure forever. It doesn't say it'll endure until you mess it up. It doesn't endure as long as you earn it and keep it. It will endure forever. You cannot add to it. You cannot take anything from it. It will endure forever. It's his work, and he is faithful to accomplish it in every single one of us. So when he says that he is faithful to complete that which he has begun in you, no matter how disappointed you are in yourself, he will be faithful to complete the work he begun in you. Isn't that awesome? Like, it's not just even in us. It's in our world. Remember last year, we spent how many weeks in the book of Revelation? You know, that God's ultimate purpose for history has never, can never, and will never be threatened. So listen, we all know what's about to happen in 2024, right? Like elections. Y'all looking forward to that? I am not. I'd like to just move for a little while until that day comes. But here's the deal. No matter what happens next year, his plans will not change. Nothing. Like he, his plans will stay this firm. Like his work is perfect. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. Like you're not going to change it. You're not going to deviate it. Like nothing's going to happen in your life, in this world, in the economy, in elections that is going to change what he has set into motion. His plans endure. His work is perfect. This is something we need to anchor ourselves to. He's faithful to his work, but he's also faithful to his standard. Again, in Deuteronomy 32, all his ways are justice. Just. He is always right. He is always right. Some of you all think you're always right, he is actually always right. Like, he's always right. Like, have you ever misjudged someone? Like, like, you thought you knew who they were, but then later you're like, whoops. Have you ever um, made a perception about someone else based on their percept or their, their, the way they look, their appearance, or, or maybe based on what somebody else said about them only to find out that you were wrong? Have you ever accused someone of something that they didn't do or a thought they didn't think or a word that they didn't say and you have to go and apologize? Have you ever put your trust in somebody only to find out that that's going to be betrayed or that was betrayed? Did you grow up under rules that you only found out later as an adult weren't actually good rules or even real rules? Or maybe even beneficial rules? Like in my house, so mom and dad love you, but in our house, we had a rule that it was like in stone that when you asked for dessert and you said, hey, mom and dad, can I have a cookie? Two was the maximum. Like it was supposedly written on the like packages or something that if you eat three cookies, you're going to die. I found out later that most of the time the serving size is three. <laughs> like I lived under that lie the whole, my whole life. And you know what? I eat three cookies every time now. Like just because. Right? Like this is our life. Like we, we, we make rules and we make things all the time. We live under stuff all the time only to find out later. Like, wait, that's not, that's not the best rule. Like, listen, his law... 
His law will never be dissolved. His law will never be shown to be ineffective. His law will always lead us to flourishing. It will always be helpful. It will always be complete. Again, consider the laws we make. How many of them are wrong? That later on we go, whoops, laws that enabled things like slavery, laws that enable unjust taxations, laws that do all kinds of things that later down the road you go, man, like that's crazy. Did you know right now there are laws in Alabama that tell you it's illegal for you to open up an umbrella on the street? Why? Isn't that the point of an umbrella? Same law in Alabama says it's illegal for you to play dominoes on Sunday. In Juneau, Alaska, it's illegal for you to have flamingos in your barbershop. See, this is what happens when men make laws. You're like, what? Are there even flamingos in Alaska? Like, who made that law? Like, this stuff is all over the place. But listen, brothers and sisters, God's law is perfect. Seven billion years from now, you won't look at anything that he established and be like, you know, I think he missed that one. Like, it's always perfect. It's always exactly the way it needs to be. And brothers and sisters, it will always lead us to life. We are not like him. He is faithful to his standard. And his standard is always good. It is always right. It is always life-giving, regardless of what you think about it. He is always faithful. Next, he will always be faithful to forgive. I simply read 1 John 1, or chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you ever worry you've gone too far? Do you ever worry you've done too much? You've screwed up way too many times. Listen, if this statement is true, then, then his faithfulness says that you can never go too far. Now, that doesn't give you license. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, but if you came in here this morning, and I know there is some of you who think you've messed it up too much, or, man, I could never go to God because he would never forgive me because I've gone too far down the path. Like he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. If you put your faith and, just in the work, and trust in the work of Jesus Christ, like he'll always be able to find forgiveness for your sins. Like, doesn't that make you feel good? I need to be reminded of that sometimes. I need to be reminded and be mindful of this all the time because every single day I fail. I need to be mindful that he will forgive every time I go to him. Every time. I need to focus my awareness on it. I need to be mindful of it. Focus my attention upon it. You know, he's also faithful to be by his, side, by his people's side. You know, there's a beauty in knowing the presence of a person is never a question. Right? Like, if you fail, they're going to be there. If you succeed, they're going to be there. If you can no longer give them anything, doesn't matter. They're going to be there anyway. They're always going to be there. And yet, in our experiences and in our lives, we understand that people leave us all the time. People forsake us and fail us all the time. But as a believer, you and I can always say, what Paul did in 2 Timothy, but the Lord stood by me. And he strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord 
always stands by his people, not just for the sake of the proclamation of the gospel, but Jesus himself has said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 31, where he says to his people, as they're about to go into the promised land, be strong and courageous. Don't fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. No matter what, he's going to be right by your side. I don't know what 2024 looks like for you. I have no idea. For some of you, like it may be a phenomenal year and it's going to be full of successes and celebrations and gifts and blessing and all kinds of amazing things. But you know what? I can guarantee you that in a room this side, for some of you, your world is going to get rocked. You're going to get a phone call about a sickness or a loved one. You're going to get a phone call that says you've lost your job or something else has happened or something, something that you didn't expect to come to happen or come to pass. Listen, you have to be reminded that even in the midst of the hardest moments, in the midst of the most difficult moments in our lives, your God will be with you. Always. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you by yourself. He will always be with you. And he knows exactly what is coming in 2024 in your life. He won't leave you. He is faithful to be present. What a promise that is for us. But in that presence, it's not just about his presence. He also will be faithful to sustain us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, he will sustain you. He will sustain his people all the way into eternity and beyond. More than food, more than water, more than anything else, he will sustain. Like all these things that we mentioned here in this text, all these components of God's faithfulness, Lord, this is what we need to be mindful of, aware of every single day when you wake up and be reminded that, listen, he cannot be 90% faithful. Do you know what 90% faithful is? Unfaithful. These things are either 100% true, 100% something that you can put all of your hope in, or it's 100% false, and we will all be put to shame someday. You know what I know? It's 100% true. He's never 95% faithful. He is always 100% faithful in all of these things. I love how Charles Spurgeon puts it. He says, faithfulness cannot degrade itself by neglect. Faithfulness cannot degrade itself by neglect. The second that neglect comes in, faithfulness no longer exists. So, So we look at our lives and we see neglect seep in all the time, don't we? This is not true for him. He never neglects anything. He's always faithful. 
Mark Batterson says this, the primary reason that we lose faith is because we forget the faithfulness of God. Maybe that's why the word remember is repeated 250 times in Scripture. Because we forget. We forget. He never does. He, he's never faithless. So he, here's the thing. I, I want us to be mindful of these things and start this series upon the rock so that our feet are planted upon the rock, not upon shifting sands of our circumstances or the world around us, but on the rock. Now with that then comes the question, what are we to do? How are we to respond to this? Psalms 37 tells us, we're to trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend or cultivate faithfulness. Befriend or cultivate faithfulness. What does that look like? Well, in some respects, that's what the rest of the series is about. How do we cultivate faithfulness in our lives? But there's three things that need to be foundational for us before we get to the specifics of those things. You know, after years of God's people being unfaithful, God always proved to be faithful. And he promises Joshua, as he's about to finally lead the people into the promised land, he tells them what he expects of them in Joshua chapter 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So three things that we can and should seek to do as we walk out of this place today, as we're mindful of God's faithfulness in our lives, these are three things that we need to be cautious of or we need to be mindful of as well. We need to be serving him in sincerity and faithfulness. Are you serving him with sincere love? And scripture calls us to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, soul, and mind. Like, are you serving him with sincere love and faithfulness in your life? Not to earn his love, but because he's given you his love. Because your position is secure. Because he first loved us, not out of duty, but mindful of every single thing that we've already talked about in this message this morning. Because he's faithful. When he looks upon your life, when he looks upon your life, does he see someone who is faithful? This can be a moment for you because maybe you look back in 2023 and you say, man, if you looked at my life in 2023, I wasn't very reliable. I wasn't very faithful, but I want to be because that's the question for us all this morning. Like if he looks at your life right now, are you faithful and reliable? Are you someone who returns his amazing faithfulness with faithfulness or do you return his faithfulness with unfaithfulness? Are you fixed to him? Are you doing what he says? Are you following where he leads you? As his disciples, in view of his faithfulness, we're to be reliable towards him. And entering into this year, it couldn't be a better New Year's resolution than to say that I want to be faithful. To, I, I, I want to I, I serve in sincerity and faithfulness in my life. Second thing we want to walk out of here with is to recognize that we need to be resting. And I don't mean because you're tired. I mean because you won't always be faithful. 
Romans 3.3 says this, what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? Well, the answer is, of course, no. Your lack of faithfulness never nullifies his faithfulness to you. And so we must continually trust his upholding of the covenant that he has made with us in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be really, really clear. I in no way, shape, or form say that to to communicate in any way that you can just go about your life and sin however you want and expect that there'll never be consequences for that. Like in no way do I make that statement to think, oh great, I have a license to sin and I can go be unfaithful all day long. Like if that is your heart and your heart is, I'm so grateful for the faithfulness of God. I'm so grateful for the faithfulness of Jesus and now I'm just gonna go do whatever I want and I'm gonna go live my life the way I want. Like you never really met him. Can I just be honest and say that? But at the same time, nobody here is going to be ultimately faithful in everything you do and say. We're all going to fail. There's going to be moments of that all the time. And even in those moments, there may be consequences for our failures, right? And this is such an important point because let's just take, for example, next week we're going to talk about faithfulness in his word. If you choose to say, I don't really need to be faithful to read his word. Like, I'm just not a reader. That's not really important. I don't have enough time for that. And you choose to say that, there's going to be consequences in your life. There's going to be consequences in your life. Ones that you don't like. It doesn't necessarily mean you've lost your salvation, but I'm going to say there's going to be consequences. I mean, you just think throughout the scriptures. Was God faithful to David all the time? Absolutely he was. But when David sinned with Bathsheba, was there consequences to the sin? Absolutely. He lost the kingdom for a while and he lost his son. Samson, probably know that story, right? Samson was called to be a Nazarite, set apart by by God to be holy in everything he did. And Samson failed miserably and it led to him being captured and have his eyes gouged out and put into a torture room and made fun of and mocked. But you know what? God was still faithful to his purpose in Samson. Like, listen, you can choose to not be faithful And in those moments, there may be consequences to that. But if you continually to walk with the Lord and you continue to rest in his grace and his mercy, then he will continue to be faithful to you, even in the midst of those consequences. This is the goodness of our God because none of us are going to be perfect in it. None of us are going to be able to always be faithful. And so we need to recognize that this is going to have effects in our lives and our relationships as we walk with the Lord. Now, the last thing is this, that when we think about the mindfulness of God and we think about how we should respond, one of the things we need to do is stop supposing. You think, what in the world are you talking about? I see even bad grammar for some of you out there who I know, Mrs. Pluckelman, you may be here. Like, I know, like, you know that's bad grammar, but, but I... I read out of um, L.B. Cowman's Streams in the Desert this beautiful reminder for all of us as Christians. And and it just hit me so hard that I wanted to share it. And I'm just going to read this to you. And I think you'll understand why I say stop supposing. L.B. Cowman says this, I once met a poor woman named Nancy 
who earned a precarious living by hard daily labor, but who was a joyous and triumphant Christian. So you've got a woman, her name's Nancy, and she's a joyous and triumphant Christian, but her life is hard. And she says, oh, Nancy, says a gloomy Christian to her one day, it is well enough to be happy now, but I should think the thoughts of your future would sober you. The thoughts of your future would sober you. Only suppose, for instance, that you should have a spell of sickness and be unable to work, or suppose that your present employers should move away and no one else give you anything to do, or suppose, stop, cried Nancy. I never supposes. The Lord is my shepherd, and I knows I shall not want. And honey, she added to her gloomy friend, it's all them supposes as is making you so miserable. You'd better give them all up and just trust the Lord. There is one text that will take away all our supposes in the life of a believer. If it's received and acted on in childlike faith, it's Hebrews 13. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall be unto me. Brothers and sisters, stop supposing. Like, isn't this our nature? S suppose my retirement account collapses. Suppose I, I don't get a good test grade. Suppose I don't get a scholarship to go into that school. Suppose someone makes fun of me. Suppose I miss that shot in the basketball game. Suppose I lose my house. Suppose I lose my job. Suppose I get a phone call and they tell me I have cancer. Suppose I lose one of my kids. Suppose, suppose, suppose. Listen, stop supposing. He is either the faithful God who loves you and cares for you and is with you in the midst of everything or he's not. Stop supposing, church, and encourage each other to stop supposing. Trust the Lord. Trust his plans. Trust his work in you. Trust him to complete that which he's begun in. And testify to that work to the others around you. I want us all to never just suppose. And what a way to live. To trust the one who is the rock, the faithful and true one. So I invite you this morning, I invite you in 2024 to be mindful of his faithfulness and begin to cultivate faithfulness in your own life, in everything that he calls you to do, in everything that he calls you to do. And the rest of this series is about how we can cultivate that stuff in our lives and serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness, rest in his grace and goodness when we fail in those things, and stop supposing. And so I would invite you into that. As a believer, I would invite you this day, as you walk out of this place, to think on these things, to be aware of these things, to bend your awareness and your focus upon the faithfulness and the goodness of God to you and the promises that he has made to you. You know, if you're not already tied into one of our gospel life classes, those are like our Sunday school classes that happen right after this service, 
start today because right after this service, this is what we're talking about, is the character and nature of God, his faithfulness. And so if you're not in one of those classes, um, go to Info Central right outside these doors right after the service and go find one. Go become a part of one of those classes and begin to focus your attention upon the faithfulness of God. But regardless, as you walk out of this place today, if you are a believer in Jesus, seek to serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Rest in his grace and stop supposing. If you're not a believer this morning, let me just say Jesus died for you so that you could stop supposing. See, I don't have to suppose what happens to me. I know what's going to happen to me. When I die, not if I die, when I die, my resurrected Savior will hold me and keep me and raise me to new life again with him. Not because I'm good enough, not because I did enough stuff in this world, not because I was faithful enough, but because he was faithful to promise that all those who put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ and in his blood will be raised to new life with him on that day. That's my hope. I don't have to suppose it, and you don't either. And so I invite you today, if you don't know Jesus, man, stop supposing and put your life in his hands. Trust the one who died for you. Trust the one who is faithful. Trust the one who made you, the one who knows you, the one who has created you, the one who promises that if you come to him, he will be there. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you, and then he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the hope you have or can have. And so this morning, I want to invite you to that. And so we're going to sing a song as we close our time. And Ryan and the team, they're going to come out here and they're going to lead us in this worship song. And if you're a believer, I want you to, to anchor in on those things about Jesus Christ, to hold on to those things and be mindful of the faithfulness of God. And if you're not a believer, I mean, we want to provide you an opportunity to be able to come down. We would love to talk with you. We would love to share with you about Jesus Christ. And maybe you're not even sure what that looks like. That's okay. We want to just pray with you and talk with you. And so I want to invite elders, pastors, counselors, please come down to the front and be available to talk with others. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing this song as we dismiss. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, first and foremost, because without it, we could not know who you are. But you revealed yourself to us. You showed us who you are, and you have showed us you are faithful. And you've proven to be so. Your love is steadfast. Your mercy is always new. Your grace is always available for those who would put their trust in you. Your work will stand firm. Like all the things that we've talked about today, Father, you are faithful. You are worthy to serve. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be mindful of you and to walk in your goodness in this year. Father, I pray and ask these things in your name.